0: Who gave me these shining shields? Hung them unstained on my walls. Who gave me these unbroken helmets? Murderous Ares needs no ornaments. Will no one drag them out of my temple? Give them to drunkards? Give them to men of peace. I have no use for tinsel and show. I want trophies hacked by the sword. I want the blood of dying men, for I am Ares. I am the destroyer of men and weapons. Hello my butt-kicking Amazons and Spartans. My name is Jessie, and welcome to my podcast, Tea with the Gods. It's now March, which means it's the month of Aries. I admit I am both ecstatic and scared shitless, because if you haven't noticed, bitches be loving Aries. You mention Aries on my blog, And all the Ares followers and admirers, because even those who don't actively worship him go hard for Ares, they all show up like a call to war, ready to either defend their beloved god to the bitter end or join in on the Declaration of Devotion. So I not only want to do right by Ares to make him proud, but I also don't want to let down his dedicated and passionate following. Although, what else could we expect from those who admire Ares? He himself is pure passion. Pure dedication, pure devotion. The man doesn't do anything half-assed. It's all full-assed with Ares. So it only makes sense that he would invoke that in others, and that he would find his other half in another pure-passion god, Aphrodite. Okay, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Today's episode, I'm going to introduce you to the real Ares, not the antagonist modern media keeps replaying over and over again. I'm gonna bust up some misconceptions and highlight some of the associations that are not well known, in hopes that you will be able to see all of Ares as opposed to just the one part of him that keeps getting featured. All right, my fierce warriors. Finish that cup of tea and meet me on the battlefield. It's time to punch some misconceptions in the teeth. Alright, so let's just cut right to the chase. Ares never stood a chance. He was destined to play the role of a villain right from the beginning. Ares is most notably known as the God of War, and is associated primarily with bloodlust, rage, and violence. Throughout his mythology, Ares is often portrayed as a hothead who gets himself into battles and competitions that he can't win and doesn't win. He especially finds himself losing consistently to his sister Athena, who is also a god of war. This is done on purpose because the Greeks held Athena on a pedestal and considered her the embodiment of a civilized society, while Ares more represents the barbaric nature of humanity. So despite both gods encompassing war, Athena's role is looked at in a more positive light, being strategic, logical, rational, level-headed, and Ares' role is viewed more negative, being emotional, violent, rageful, chaotic, and impulsive. Which is why Ares is shown losing not only to Athena, but in general. And if all that isn't enough to convince you of Ares' destined path to villain infamy, In the Iliad, Big Papa Zeus, being father of the year, said this when Ares went to him complaining about him favoring Athena. No more, you lying, two-faced. No more sidling up to me, whining here before me. You, I hate you most of all the Olympian gods. Always dear to your heart, strife, yes, and battles, the bloody grind of war. You are my child. To me, your mother bore you. If you had sprung from another god, believe me, and grown into such a blinding devastation, long ago you'd have dropped below the titans deep in the dark pit. Jesus Christ! Zeus seems like the kind of dad who not only doesn't let his kids win a monopoly every once in a while, but also rubs it in their faces when he wins and they lose. Anyway, back to my main point. Looking at these few examples I gave, it's actually pretty easy to see how Ares became the main antagonist in modern depictions of Greek mythology. A lot of the characterizations given to him in modern media are based on those examples. Whether it's Percy Jackson, Wonder Woman, or the God of War video games, Ares is portrayed as a vile, angry, violent god who enjoys watching others suffer and is strongly disliked by the other gods. So yeah, it may be frustrating, but it's important to acknowledge that it didn't come from nowhere, and we can't put all the blame on modern creators. The ancient Greeks didn't exactly package Ares in a way for future cultures to digest well, especially as advancements in weaponry has caused our wars to become more and more devastating. Athena, at least, has other associations attached to her, such as wisdom and crafts. Ares, on the other hand, is cemented with war and bloodlust, leaving him to bear the burden. We associate all the atrocities of war to him, and that's why he never stood a chance. He was always going to end up the villain. But is Ares actually a villain? No. Honestly, nothing with the gods is ever that cut and dry. All of them are complex beings including Ares, and he actually is the victim of the same things that I talked about with Zeus and Hephaestus. His mythic persona being mistaken for his real one, and his associations not translating well in the modern world. Although, while being in the same vein, Ares' situation is actually a bit different than Zeus and Hephaestus. For Zeus, we had to look past the mythology in order to see the real Zeus, And for Hephaestus, we had to reimagine new, modern associations for him. But we don't have to do any of that for Ares, at least not completely, because the ancient Greeks actually gave us more than just the image of Ares I previously described. There is actually a lot more to him, even in his mythology, but it seems that much of the world would rather focus on the stabby bloody bits. So what other realms can we find Ares if he is not allocated to just war? I have a few to speak on, both traditional and modern interpretations. First is probably his most popular amongst modern Hellenic polytheists, God of Protection. Talk to any worshipper of Ares and they will most likely mention Ares' protective nature and how his presence invokes a sense of safety and security. This especially applies to those who are survivors of sexual abuse. In his mythology, there are a few cases where Ares has come to the defense of rape victims. One being where he arrested a man who attempted to rape his mother, Hera. And my favorite from Ares' mythology is when he killed the son of Poseidon because he raped Ares' daughter. That myth alone really embodies all that Ares represents, in my opinion. He is driven by his passion, found both in the love he has for his daughter, A plus father right there, and his own sense of right and wrong. He doesn't wait for justice or fate or prophecy to take action, because Aries is action. He stands up for what's right, regardless of the consequences, and he's going to defend his daughter no matter who he pisses off. Which is really something that needs to be emphasized here. Greek mythology has a reputation, and rightfully so, as being painfully misogynistic. The women in these stories, the poor things, bear the brunt of every awful thing that happens, regardless of who's to blame. Fathers especially are rarely shown doing more than giving their daughters away to predators or, you know, shrugging their shoulders in response like, Oh well, you're a woman, can't be helped. So it's pretty monumental occurrence to have a male god not only have a legit reaction to his daughter being raped, you know, other than shrugging his shoulders, but was enraged about it enough to go seek revenge by killing the bastard. So you can see why modern worshippers equate him to protection. It's in his nature to use his skills and abilities to protect and defend those that need him. I've heard countless testimonials from those that follow him and they all really emphasized feeling safe, protected, and shielded when Ares is around. So if you're in need of feeling like someone has your back and or you're a sexual abuse survivor who is uncomfortable with some of the actions of the gods and myths, I really recommend knocking on Aries' door. Next up is God of Passion. It is much more common to associate Aphrodite with passion as opposed to Ares, though I argue that one of the reasons they fit so well together is because both are gods of passion. Like Aphrodite, Ares is an emotional dude. He feels things strongly regardless of the emotion, whether it be love or hate, joy or anger. He is not one to suppress how he's feeling. Oh no, on the contrary, he's going to make his feelings everyone's problem. And this all echoes back to when I was discussing Ares and Athena. Remember, Athena is viewed as rationality and logic. She's cool-headed, strategic, and stoic. Ares is her opposite. He's impulsive, hot-headed, and emotional. Athena is driven by the logistics of war, the ability to showcase her great mind, and of course, victory. But Ares is driven by pure passion. He fights because he absolutely loves it, and because he believes wholeheartedly in what he's fighting for, regardless of what it is. So, if you're looking to ignite your passion, to stoke its flames, or someone to help you keep it burning, Ares is your guy, since his candle is always lit. God of Civil Order and Rebellion This is actually a traditional association for Ares. And yes, he represents both civil order and rebellion. Which is really important to note because Ares is often portrayed very one dimensional. But here we have him showing a sense of duality, like Persephone. Anyway, Ares' historical association with civil order might be a shock to those of you who have only known Bloodlust Ares. But Ares has been out there on the streets upholding the peace since way before Batman decided to do it in a bat costume and as an unhealthy way to cope with his grief. As I mentioned previously, Ares arrested the man who attempted to rape Hera. There's also a story where he arrested the dude who had kidnapped the Nattos. Kind of seems like Ares is a bit of a police officer, huh? Well, he kind of is, given that he was associated with ancient police forces. Even today, worshippers link him to the police and military, given his connection to civil order. This can also echo back to the previous point about protection. I mean, I know there's a lot of shit surrounding the police and military, but I'm more talking about the idea of the whole thing, what both groups are supposed to represent, the concept of protect and serve the people. That, to me, really embodies who Aries is under this specific association. I also want to point out the fact that within this realm, we don't see the bloodlust Aries who responds only with violence and death. We see him arresting as opposed to killing or even harming. So he's not as impulsive or brutal as many narratives try to sell us. He does have self-control and the ability to objectively discern each situation and environment he finds himself in. Now, the rebellion part of this association I'm sure doesn't come as a shock to most of you. But how can Ares be both the maintainer of civil order, yet also the one who helps disturb it? That's easy, actually, and further helps my overall point of Ares being the best kind of dude. You see, Ares is for the people, not the system. He maintains order and peace for the benefit and safety of the people when the system is working. But when it isn't, and the people are suffering and struggling, then he promotes and supports riots and uprisings in order to establish a new system that will aid and satisfy the people. So again, we see this same narrative of protection, passion, and standing up for the greater good. This is why we can find Aries in both good cops who truly live by the serve and protect code, and also activists who protest and march against police brutality. Because Aries ultimately is about what's right and what's just. He kind of is like Captain America, except maybe a more R-rated version So, maybe like Deadpool? Yeah, actually, Ares kind of is like Deadpool, wow. Although that comparison kind of throws my whole doesn't always use violence to solve everything point out the window, but honestly, I think it's a fair trade-off. Okay, and my last one is God of Courage and Bravery. These are also historical associations, which I don't think is much of a surprise, although they are important given we're able to see that despite Zeus's awful dad speech, the ancient Greeks didn't cast Ares in a negative light. And while of course they revere Athena, they also valued what Ares brought to the battlefield. But we're not going to discuss courage and bravery in its ancient form. We're bringing this into the modern world, because soldiers aren't the only ones who exhibit these traits. For a fair majority of us, it takes tremendous courage to get up in the morning and go about our day. It takes immense bravery for us to simply just be who we are in a world that hates us for it. We fight constant battles day in and day out. Some we win, some we lose. But regardless, we keep on fighting. Honestly, I'd say simply living is an act of courage, and continuing to try and find happy in some of the shit this world gives to us, that's bravery. This is where Ares suffers similarly to Hephaestus. The average modern worshipper most likely doesn't have any connection to war and battlefields and soldiers, and if they did, it's not likely they're going to be proud of it. So a lot of people tend to dismiss Ares as just being about the soldier experience, when that's not at all accurate. Battles aren't just fought on the battlefield. They are waged every day inside us all. We each have at least one war we are consistently fighting inside of ourselves. Whether it be because of a mental illness, a chronic illness, a disability, past traumas, insecurities, your identity, Toxic people or any number of things we are constantly fighting battles that don't actually take place on a battlefield But Aries doesn't care about the technicalities a war is a war a battle is a battle a Warrior is someone who is brave enough to face the fight and courageous enough to keep fighting So regardless of what you're up against trust when I say to you that your battle is valid in the eyes of Aries And as I have shown you throughout this entire episode, he is the protector of the people and the one who helps keep you going. So if you need a safe place to rest your tired, bruised body and tend to your wounds, or you need reinforcements to help push you through past enemy line, or you need one of those inspirational speeches that you always hear before a big battle that sends the troops in with passion and and determination... I highly suggest you call on Aries. Alright, my darlings, that about wraps up this tea discussion. I just want to thank everyone for being so understanding and patient with me while I worked on this episode. Seriously, it really meant a lot to me and helped me take pressure off myself. But I am still very sorry this took so long, since I know so many of you were looking so forward to it. I really hope it was worth the wait. Of course, please let me know what you think by either commenting here or on any of my social media accounts. I'm the Pastel Priestess on Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube, and Tea with the Gods on Twitter. Next week kind of works out beautifully because it's the end of March and moving into April, which is Aphrodite's month. So I'm going to do an episode on Aries and Aphrodite. I feel like it's going to be a lot of me just fangirling because they're my favorite divine couple, But I'm going to try and make it as educational as possible. So that's coming to you sometime next week. Thanks so much again for listening, loves. And until next time, may the gods be with you.